Hello and welcome to Car Culture, a podcast covering everything automobiles. We're talking boost creeps, muscle heads, and backfiring BMWs, all the Miami street scene culture you see on the daily. I'm your host and resident gearhead, Gabriel Wagner, and let's get started. So the first thing that um, I want to bring up today is the history of Miami's car culture. You know, since the beginning of time, Miami's always been a huge automobile scene, um, but it really picked up back in the, um, the 80s during Miami Vice days, the popularity of the show, and also, you know, fanatic 80s culture brought in a lot of sensationalism. So that ushered in the age of the Ferrari Testarossa and the Lamborghini Countach. And these were two beautiful, stunning cars, fierce competitors um, aimed at the same market. They'd go back and forth, Ferrari would fire Lamborghini, Lamborghini would fire Ferrari. And it was just a constant battle to see who could outdo the other. Um, another huge bit of Miami car culture that we have here is lowriders, which is actually really popular amongst Latinos. Um, and that kind of came over from the West Coast, from uh, lowrider culture over in places like LA. And, and basically what they do is they retrofit old cars, um, big long boats from the uh, 60s, and add hydraulic suspension. So you can see these cars go upwards of like eight feet up in the air, all on hydraulics. Um, blasting music, they would actually bounce up and down to the music that I was playing. The last big, I guess, group in Miami is JDM, or Japanese Domestic Market. So, you know, Hondas, Toyotas, Acuras, Nissans, these are all Japanese cars, and, you know, you associate them with some of the most common cars that you see on the road. So naturally, they took their stab at making um, sports cars. And the golden age of Japanese sports cars was in the 80s and the 90s with cars like the Supra, the MR2, um, the, the Celica, those are the Toyota triplets, along with the AE86 Corolla, which is famous, how lightweight it was. It got popularity on the show Initial D. Um, so Japanese car culture, not only just in Miami, but everywhere in the United States, it was like anime. It was like, it came over from Japan and we need to have it. So you'll see people that in Miami drive right-hand drive cars because in Japan, it is right-hand drive and they import their cars from there. And, and just funny stuff, you'll see them go through drive-through backwards. So in order to actually get their bag, they have to go through the drive-through in reverse. And these are just people that are super passionate about cars like the R34, RX-7s, um, Miatas, AE86s like I mentioned before. Um, so, you know, continuing on that tangent of JDM, uh, let's switch into commentary lane. And commentary lane is a section where I like talking about new and interesting car news that's going on right now and uh, get your opinions on them. So two controversial subjects we're talking about today is this new Subaru BRZ um, and respective Toyota 86 and the new Mustang Mach-E. So the new Subaru BRZ, um, the, the previous generation, was released in 2013 and had incredible sales. I believe over 26,000 units were sold in the U.S., which doesn't sound like a crazy amount. Obviously, there are way more Honda Civics sold in the U.S., but this is a luxury sports car. So hitting that many sales on a sports car is actually pretty significant. So it was enough for Toyota and Subaru to once again collaborate and say, hey, you know, this is a popular enough car. Let's make another one. So the new generation Subaru BRZ is going to have 20 horsepower uh, above its previous generation uh, with 228 horsepower versus the 205 that came on the manual transmission version. Um, and it'll also raise the torque output to 184 pound-feet. This is significant because previously, the Subaru BRZ suffered from an identity crisis of 
wanting to look cool and be fast, but also having a significantly underpowered engine. So, you know, people cried and begged them to put a turbocharger on and give the BRZ some really power, um, some real power, but it never happened. But what they did is they increased the bore of the engine, they increased the displacement from 2 liters up to 2.4 liters, and doing that also increased the pound-feet of torque. So now the engine, instead of making 151 pound-feet of torque, it makes 184. So the Mach-E is a Mustang. It's an electric Mustang, which goes against every fiber of a Mustang uh, American V8 owner, where, you know, the Mustang was all about being a cool, prideful American, gas-guzzling, fire-spewing car. And Ford wanted to rebrand their image, and they wanted to take a cleaner approach um, when it came to emissions. So they decided to put the Mustang badge on a luxury electric SUV, kind of similar to what you'd see in like a Model X. So a lot of people in the car community were furious. This, you know, this isn't a Mustang. I don't know what you're doing, Ford. But me personally, I just think the performance is phenomenal. Now, electric cars are the future, and I know that. I'm a lover of gasoline cars, diesel cars, but it's going to happen. It's transitioning, and it's just because of the specs. So the electric Mustang, it's heavy, but it makes 346 horsepower and 428 pound-feet of torque on the performance version of the stock vehicle. This is not even like the, the, the GT version, which is the GT is the separate super sport line. This is more like the sport trim on the standard car. Now, the sport line, uh, the, the Mach-E GT, has 480 horsepower and 600 pound-feet of torque. 600 pound-feet of torque sends the GT on all four wheels, 0 to 60 in 3.8 seconds. This is faster than, <laughs> definitely faster than the BRZ. And it's electric, which blows my mind. These cars are ridiculously quick. And electric really is the future because you can get these ridiculously high um, uh, torque output. Now we have the crazy, crazy version. So now Ford, you know, they're still trying to convince all these muscle heads and car lovers about Ford and basically it's excessive power and revving that, you know, an electric car can still be fun. So they made a one-off prototype and this is called the Mustang Mach-E 1400. The reason that it's called 1400 is because it makes 1400 horsepower. That is more than three times what the GT makes. It is ridiculous how much power this car makes off of seven electric motors. And it can spin all four wheels, it's all wheel drive, and it can do massive smoky burnouts on all four wheels. And there's actually a, a video clip of Ken Block driving it on YouTube that is super cool. And you'll see he's a big sports car fan and he'll be spinning it around and stuff like that. <laughs> So, seriously, Ford, you've outdone yourselves. Uh, moving on into motorsport news, we have Formula E starting on February 25th. If you're not familiar with what Formula E is, Formula E is kind of like F1 racing, where it is open-wheel racing, but, um, again, it's electrified. They only weigh 1,800 pounds despite being electric, and one of the fatal flaws of electric cars is that they weigh a bunch. Um, and, but they only weigh 1,800 pounds. Um, they've just shaved a lot of the extra weight. They have 250 kilowatts or 335 horsepower, and it has the same power to weight ratio as a Corvette C8.R. A Corvette C8.R is the version of the Corvette C8, which is already a fantastic American sports car, incredibly fast. And that was the race version that they used during the 12 hours of Sebring. And the, I think they actually put it in the 24 hours of Le Mans as well. 
So it's faster than a race car and they're electric. That will be starting February 26th at um, Dura, Saudi Arabia. And this is a little community. Of course, you know, you have to take the most extravagant kind of electric racing to one of the most extravagant car communities in the world, Saudi Arabia. Um, Dura is a subset. It's like near Dubai. So, you know, and, and in Dubai, they have Lamborghinis as cop cars because everyone else is driving cars that are faster than those. So that's really how strong the car culture is there. And I think it's a perfect place to host Formula E. Miami car culture continues to reinvent itself with different groups popping in and out, just like our city continues to be a melting pot for people of all ethnicities and all nationalities. So what do you think? Are there some groups that you want to see more of Miami car culture? How about the favorite car you saw on the road yesterday? Comment down below. I'm Gear Wagner, and this has been Car Culture.